morning. Good morning. Hey, thank you for saying hi to somebody. And uh, welcome. My name is Tim. Uh, I'm the lead pastor here at Mosaic. And uh, this is, it's so, one of the things that uh, we, and we even, we practiced it and then we did it, but to hear somebody's story of, of coming to know Jesus and choosing to get baptized. And I don't know if Rebecca is toweled off and back in the room and changed and all that yet, but um, just what a gift uh, it is for us as a church family that we get to hear that. And more importantly, uh, just celebrating what God has done in her life and just over the past couple months of getting to know her and hearing her story. And we got just a, you know, a glimpse of it as she read it to us. But wow, what a, what a powerful move of God in her life. And we get to celebrate it and be a part of it uh, in that way. And we hope that that happens more and more and more. And this is like, I don't know if you noticed, but when they got in, like it was, it's comfortable, it's, it's warm. And so if you're like, man, I want to get baptized right now too. We can do that. So we have clothes for you. You can do that. I know a number of you have been following Jesus for uh, maybe a short amount of time, maybe a really long time, but have not been baptized and uh, you can get baptized today. You don't have to share all your story. You can just answer that question of, yes, I confess that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. So, um, so, so excited to be able to celebrate that together today. Um, in, in a little bit, I'm going to share for a little bit from Scripture uh, and where we're headed as a church, and then uh, we're going to we're going to take communion together and sing, and then we're going to we're going to um, celebrate uh, a key leader in our church, and uh, and then we're going to celebrate uh, some students who are graduating both from 12th grade and and eighth grade. Um, those are different students. Um, there's not like one that's doing that at the same time. It's two different, it's groups, two different groups. And so we just get to celebrate it uh, at the close of our gathering. And then we're, we're headed outside. I hope you choose to stick around and get uh, some pips. We've got donuts and chai tea and then a, a, a bounce house out there um, that I know it was hard to walk by that and to come in here. But, um, but yeah, we're having a great time in here, right? Good, good. There we go. There we go. Hey, uh, would you do this with me? Would you... Uh, would you pray with me quickly? And then I want to open up scripture, uh, look at a few verses that God's just continued to put on my heart and mind in the last few months, and, uh, and then talk a, a bit about where we're going as, as a church family. So would you pray with me? God, we declare right now in this space and in this moment that you are here with us, and more importantly than just your presence of your power of who you are, that you are the God of the universe that knows us and created us and loves us that you are the God of the universe that holds everything in his hands, that you are the God of the universe that is good and loving and just and kind and merciful upon mercy. And Holy Spirit, when we gather like this, we invite you to work and to move, that you can transform hearts, that you can renew minds, that you can soften hearts. And would you do that in our, our time together here? Would you be working far beyond what we have even thought to ask? Or imagine. And Jesus, we would not be here without you. You are the one that we look to as our rescuer, our redeemer. You are the one that has made a way for us to be reconciled to God. And so Jesus, would you speak to us now? Would you point the way? Would we hear your voice in this moment? It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Um, I, uh, this, this past week, I watched the, the first half of the first episode of uh, a new show on Apple TV called Silo. I don't know if you have even heard of that or care about it or uh, if you haven't slept because you've been watching it. I, I, I don't know. It's a new show on Apple, and <clears throat> it's called Silo, and it's about a, uh, again, I've only watched the first half of the first episode, so I don't know a lot about it, but um, it's about a, a, 
a people that live in a, like a cylinder that has been built into the ground. It's like a whole, a whole city in a silo built into the ground. And the reason it is, is as far as we can piece together from the trailer in the first half of the first episode is that they can't go outside, that the, the, the world is not livable any longer. Uh, the series opens with a, a man, a character in, uh, in his room, and he picks up a, a little uh, badge that says sheriff uh, and puts it on his, his uniform. He's a sheriff. And uh, there's no speaking, there's no words, there's just some music playing in the background. He sets his home in order as he's leaving any normal day to go to the office and begins walking through this silo to his office. The very, very first words that we hear from the narrator, the first words of the entire series are, we don't know why we are here. We do not know why we are here. This character we learn in the first half of the first episode um, is not able to hold his life together any longer. Life doesn't make sense to him any longer. We learn he's, he's lost his wife. Um, he's distraught, confused. Um, the answer to the question, why are we here, haunts him, and he doesn't have an answer for it. He actually doesn't know what has happened before and how they got here. He doesn't know why he's here where he is now, and he doesn't know where they're going or where they're headed. And without the answers to those questions and with the loss of his wife, he decides to say the one thing that ends life in the silo, which is, I want to go outside. He's not able to hold his, his life together. Those questions are questions that each and every one of us are constantly asking each and every day. Where did we come from? Why are we here? Where are we going? We all have answers to those in some way. Maybe we're satisfied with them and they're fulfilling and they direct our lives. Maybe they're left us with more questions and answers. We also have those questions as a, as a church and every church does. Where have we come from? Why are we here? And where are we going? And unlike the character in the show, I'm so glad that, that you and I have answers to those questions that you and I can answer those questions. And one of the reasons that we can answer those questions is because of scripture, because the Bible actually helps us to answer those questions. Where have we come from? Why are we here? Where are we going? There's a, a passage in scripture that God put on my heart, uh, I don't know, maybe six months ago or so. Um, wasn't looking for it, it just kind of popped up and uh, actually a phrase from it popped up and I went looking for it, I didn't have it memorized. Uh, pastors are not required to have the whole Bible memorized and so I went looking for it, searched it, found it and and read through it and then kept reading in the verses after. And I want to read these verses to you today because they actually help us to answer those questions and they, they orient us and direct us for, for where we're going. It's, it's uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and the, the book is amazing, the, the passage is amazing, but these few verses are really stuck out. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I want to read first verses 14 and 15. It says this, For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died, Jesus died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. <clears throat> it ends there with a little resurrection, talks about the resurrection of Jesus. It's the reason we get baptized to symbolize death, that an old life is dead, that we've acknowledged that it's dead without Jesus and we come up out of the water 
to symbolize coming to life in Jesus, that our life was dead and now it's been brought to life, it's been resurrected. A little bit of resurrection at the end there. But the word that captures my attention, the word that God drove me to and pointed me to is the word compels. For Christ's love compels us. For Christ's love compels us. I don't know what you think of when you think of the word compel. What I think of is that I'm compelled to do something. I'm compelled to move or to act or to, to accomplish something. And that's certainly what it, what it means. That's part of the meaning of the word compel. But the first meaning, the priority meaning I would submit to you, what it means here is that Christ's love compels us. The word compel here means hold together. Hold together. The character in the show that I mentioned, his life is falling apart and he couldn't hold it together. Christ's love compels us. Christ's love holds us together. Christ's love makes sense of the world. Christ's love makes sense of ourselves and our lives. Christ's love holds us together and gives us an identity and a mission and a purpose and a direction in life. Christ's love makes sense of everything for us and it holds us together. And without it, we're left scrambling. We're trying to hold it together ourselves and, and we just can't. We're trying to find things of this world to hold it together and just can't. That Christ's love compels us. It, it holds us together. But it's for a purpose and the passage goes on. Listen to this. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, again, under the water, death to life. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Now listen to this, verse 20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Because Jesus has done this amazing thing by obeying his father and coming to earth and living a perfect life and talking about the kingdom and sharing the good news and being the good news and then being crucified on a cross, buried in a grave, conquering death and rising again. Because Jesus has done that, his love compels us. It holds us together and sends us in a direction, sends us with purpose to be his ambassadors, to be representatives that you and I are intended and called and designed and purposed to be representatives of Jesus wherever we go. There's days where that seems easy and fun and enjoyable and that captures our imagination and gives us great encouragement. There's other days where that seems challenging and, and almost impossible. See, be, to, to be a representative, it, it, it says this, as though God were making his appeal as though God were making his appeal. Think about that for a moment, that the God of the universe is choosing, has chosen, continues to choose to make his appeal to the world through us, through you and I individually, through his church. And we've said this over and over, and I've said this over and over throughout the years, like, wow. It, we seem pretty flawed. I feel pretty flawed. The church seems pretty flawed. What, why, would, why would God do that? Why would he design to go through you and I? Through 
imperfect people and certainly imperfect churches, the God of the universe has decided to make his appeal for the world. The word appeal there uh, makes this, sometimes when you can think of an appeal, like when you've made an appeal to somebody, you've tried to maybe convince them of something. Um, Maybe it's an intellectual exercise. Maybe it's a a thought or a reason or a goal that you have that you've made an appeal to to somebody else to, to believe the same way as you have. The word appeal here means to bring to bring over to one side. And that could be just in terms of thinking. I think it's far, far more than that. When I read that, the word appeal means to bring over to one side. It's God saying, come, come be with me. Come, come be next to me and let me put my arm around you and, and hold you close. Let, let me put my arm around you and, and hold you together. That the God of the universe has chosen me and you to be his ambassadors, his representatives to the world to make his appeal through it. He's using us to invite others to come to know and follow him. That is our call. When God loves us and holds us together, he gives us this purpose wherever we are and wherever we go. To be that here and now, to be an ambassador for Jesus, to be a representative of God, to be a witness to the good news is a significant challenge in our city and in our world today. In order to do that, we actually have to stand and be distinct. We have, to, we have to live in a way that is counter to so much that goes on around us. And anytime we choose to live and to be counter to, distinct from those around us, it's costly. And therefore, it takes great courage to be different and distinct. Where have we come from? Why are we here? Where, where are we going? God has, has called us to be a church that is developing courageous and resilient and distinct and different ambassadors, disciples, witnesses for him. And we want all of the effort and everything that we put time and energy and resources to, to help us as a church to create and make and invest in and to develop disciples of all ages who are courageous and resilient in a society and a culture that is very counter to the love of God and the person and work of Jesus. There's a a booklet, hopefully you got one when you came in. Um, It's, uh, it kind of tells what we're doing as a church. Um, If you're sitting down here on the floor, you got one on your seats or somebody snagged one before you got there. Um, There's more in the lobby. You can grab one or look on with a neighbor. But if you kind of open it, I don't know what this is, the second or third page. Um, It's it's got our vision. Um, And I, can we just, this is, I think this thing is awesome, by the way. Can can you give a hand to... uh, um, our, our staff team, but also specifically Connor Durr for kind of leading us and helping produce this. So, um, He deserves to, to be celebrated for that, but he's going to hate, he hates me right now for doing that to him. So um, I hope we can reconcile later and participate in the ministry of reconciliation. Um, our vision is on the third page and it says this. In a city known for self-reliance, loneliness, and cynicism, we are compelled by the love of Jesus to live distinctly different lives. I am fully aware, we are fully aware that Portland and Vancouver are known for a lot of other things, but these three things are true. And they're things that stand in the way of people coming to know and follow Jesus. We're compelled by the love of Jesus. We're held together by Jesus to live distinctly 
different lives, to stand apart and to be different. We will contribute to a movement of courageous and resilient disciples. And here's three things formed by God's word, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and sent by Jesus. I, I want to stop there. I've heard uh, for some time now a, a, a kind of a, uh, a word or a phrase that just kind of seems to be present. Um, I've heard it from a number of you. I've experienced this in my own life personally, and I've heard it from others outside of Mosaic when I've asked them, hey, what do you see? What do you hear? When you come and spoke here, what did, what did you sense? And there's this phrase that keeps coming up, and the phrase is this, something more. I, I don't know if you've said those very words or if you've thought that, but something more, and, and specifically meaning this, some, longing for something more, longing for, for more of what's here and now, and not just collectively, but personally and individually, a longing for something more to move, to break free, to grow, to expand in our own life, something more, a deeper encounter with the God of the universe, to have a sense of God's voice that we can hear and tune our ears and our heart to, that we're aware of God's presence and power in a deeper way, that we want something more, that there's a longing for an experience of the Holy Spirit that we've not yet had that we know that the very power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is, is accessible to us. And not just that, but, but in us for those that are followers of Jesus. And that we want more of that, that, that we hear that, but we haven't quite tasted or experienced that or done so regularly, and we want that. That we, that we long to see more of Jesus come to those that we're in relationship with who don't know him. That there's a, a kingdom-sized movement going on that we long to see, that we want something more, that there's a longing for something more. And I, I think that, I think God's been preparing us for this. I don't think this is just coincidence or by chance. I think, I think that God's been preparing us for this and has been gently and slowly but intentionally bringing us to this point where we have a sense in us collectively and in us individually where we want something more, that we're not satisfied with where we are. If I can rewind the tape a little bit, um, when we hit about 15 years old as a church, we decided to take a year of Jubilee. And what that meant was that we rested from a lot of things that, that we were doing and busying ourselves with. That we rested and, and took a year to, to, to be rejuvenated and to find clarity. And during that year, 2019, God, God gave us some clear vision, some new words and pictures and images and imagination for where he was leading us. As we headed into 2020, we gathered all, a lot of leaders and we celebrated that and articulated that and says, we know the direction that God is leading us, but we're not quite sure what that looks like or the next steps to take. And then we, we planned a time to share with our whole church. And we set a date and we planned an event. And on Thursday before that happened, the whole world shut down for COVID. And we pivoted immediately and we went through the COVID experience and we learned some things and we experienced some things. And then we came out of it pretty abruptly. What we learned and experienced through that was to, to be together in a different way. One of the things that we did is we, we moved into virtual house gatherings and because of the need, we, we, we met with one another and it was such a challenging and disorienting time and we, we pursued one another, even though it was just on screen for most of that time. I think we had about 400 people that were weekly on Sunday meeting on screen together. And during that time, God deepened relationships. We prayed together in a, in a different way. We shared together in a different way. We cared for one another. 
We learned together. We talked about scripture. We talked about political issues. We talked about societal ills. We experienced community in a different way. Some of us took some of our own money and we, we gave it to help financial needs for one another. We cared for one another. We were involved in one another's life, even just on screens. And then July of 2021, restrictions went away and we pivoted and said, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna gather together again. And, and so much of that all of a sudden began to drift away of the sense of community that we, we built. And I shared with a friend this week, it felt like uh, that we had gone on a really awesome field trip. COVID's not a field trip and that wasn't awesome. But what we experienced in community was, was pretty sweet and good. But it was like a field trip that then we got back to, to school and kind of got back in, into the grind and we, we left that or thought that was just for a day away. I don't think it's just for a day away. I think it's much more than that. I had a mentor and friend and coach uh, that I met with recently. His name's Terry Walling. Some of you will remember that name. He walked through some of that year of Jubilee with us. He said that that season and what we're in now even as a church, as churches across the nation, the world, and even as a society, he, he said, others have put this label on it, but it's a Abrahamic transition. Abrahamic transition. You haven't heard that on the news. Maybe you have not ever heard that term. Abraham, Abraham was the man that God chose and to lead his nation and to become a nation back in the Old Testament. And what Terry meant when he said an Abrahamic transition is that it's a it's a transition like that what Abraham experienced, which was this, that God said to Abraham, Abraham, leave your family, your neighborhood, your home, leave everything you know and turn and go to a new land. And Abraham being the obedient son of God that he was, he said, child of God that he was, he said, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna plug it in, just give me the address and I'll start off and I'll go. I'll take my wife and my family and all my possessions and I'll go. And, and God says, no, just go in that direction. And what Terry meant when he says an Abrahamic transition is that we've got a direction to go, but we don't have all the specifics yet, but we just need to step out in faith and go. Another description for it is an era-ending transition, that something has, has closed and finished and we've pivoted into something new and we don't quite know what that is yet and we, we don't quite see it all. But I think that field trip that we were on when we experienced community in a new and a dip, deeper way is part of it. I think one of the things that God is calling us to, I think one of the things that he has for us as a church is to experience community in a much deeper way, in a way that we long for. God's, God's called us to these things, to be formed by God's word, to be empowered by the spirit and to be sent by Jesus. There's a number of ways that those happen throughout the life of our church, but I think going forward in community in a new way, in a deeper way, that we've only just tasted and yet fully haven't experienced is gonna be a primary way that that happens. I think God's saying and has birthed in us this desire to not just gather on Sunday like this, which is beautiful and sweet and meaningful and God works in significant ways, but to say, I've, I've placed you as my ambassadors and my representatives in the world to make my appeal through you and so you need to be in the world. Some of us have friendships. Some of us have relationships. Some of us have found a sense of community, and that's wonderful. But many of us have not. I think we need communities where people feel like they have found a family that they're going somewhere with. Not just to gather with while that's important, but to be on a mission with. 
I think we have uh, six communities that exist right now within the life of Mosaic. In addition to that, we've got a, a middle school community and a, and a high school community. I think about four of those six have these three things. They've got an identified team of leaders who are leading them. And, and within that, there's a sense of a different spiritual giftings. I think one of the significant areas of growth for us as a church is that, that we each would learn, how is the Holy Spirit uniquely gifted me to serve God in this world and to serve his church in some specific way. But in that, we've got a mix of spiritual giftings and a team of leaders. I think four of our six communities have identified a clear, this is the vision and mission that we have for gathering together. I, I, I think gathering together just to be together is meaningful and that's part of it, but, but without a sense of we're for this and we can articulate it with clarity. This is why we're gathered together and to work and to find that and say, God, why is it that we're here together? And then the third thing that each one of these needs is some kind of defined rhythm or structure that's functioning. I think God has timed this out really well for us. I, there's a human side of me that just wants to chalk it up to coincidence. I don't think it's that. Um, I think God has timed this out that as we head into next fall, we're opening up the book of Acts. If you don't know this, the book of Acts follows Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then the book of Acts. We've finished, almost finished. Luke will finish in a couple weeks in, in August. Uh, and then in September, we'll jump into the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is the birth of the movement of the church. And as God birthed the church and works through the church, even today, 2,000 years later, that, that book explains the power of the Holy Spirit working in a new way. And what we see in that is the church gathered in homes. The church gathered in homes. It also gathered in the temple. And so we want to do two things. We want to be the church when we're gathered like this. And we want to be the church where God has moved us into our neighborhoods, into networks of relationships, into places, wherever it is that we believe God's called us to gather. And we want to do the work of identifying who, who has a dream of, of leading one of these it was a dream of being part of a community that is, is led by not just one person, but a group of people who are gifted, who have clarity on the vision of how they're, they're making a difference in their corner of the world, in their neighborhood, in their place of work, whatever it might be. And how will this look? There's great room for creativity of what those could look like. We've been experimenting and trying different things for about two years and trying to figure out what, how can we do this? How can we see this happen? And we found some traction, but I think God's calling us to much more. Many of us in this room right now don't have a sense of these are my people that I'm with, that I can go to when I have a need, when I go to when I have an emergency. And not only in a sense of care, but in a sense of where are we going together? What is it that God's doing through us together? So we want to spend the next few months through the summer and identifying. Some of you, as I say that, you, you start to have dreams and imagination of, oh, it could be this, it could look like this. We want to walk alongside you and help you to figure out how, how that be. And as we look into the fall, Again, I think we've got four to six right now. I think we need at least double that. What would it look like to see that double over the next year and see the church present in places around the city? We're gathering here, but we also understand and have a vision for being the church where God has placed us. One of the things that we have experienced through COVID is a draining and an exhaustion of time and energy. And so I want to be clear, to be a part of a community that has a sense of family and has a sense of mission together, doesn't just slide into the leftover moments of time 
and energy that you have at the end of the week. To be a part of something like this and to truly experience this takes sacrifice, takes intentional calculation and management of time, and takes risk in relationship. And so these, by definition, will be costly. They cost something. But I believe it's part of the answer to our longing for something more. The other thing that God's calling us to do, and it's not a new thing, it's simply to gather and celebrate together as his people. What happens when we gather together? And I thought about it, and there's a whole lot of reasons why God's done this, is to say his people gather together. And we have this great freedom in our nation and in our culture right now that we can do this. We don't have to do this hidden. I'm reading a wonderful book right now that's written about what's called the underground church in, in China. Um, and they can't gather freely like this and still control their theology and what they teach. We can do this. And so we want to do this. And we want to create space for other people to come in and, and get a taste of what God's doing. I don't know how we live for Jesus and look at every single person that we encounter in our city throughout our week and, and have a heart that says God loves that person instead of why is that person the way they are and will they go away soon? Or if they change, my life would be better or they're an inconvenience. But to have a heart that says God loves and created that person too. I don't know how that happens without this experience of going, I'm part of something much bigger than myself. There's a God who is much greater and bigger than me. And I want to live in submission to him and in celebration of him. Or a sense of, I see where God's moving because I hear stories and know others that are walking with Jesus in this city at the same time. And to lift our eyes up and to get a bigger vision of who God is and what he's doing in our world at this time. And so this is significant and important as we gather here together. We're doing one gathering, as you know, right now, it's been at 10 a.m. Um, we have plenty of room in our building. Parking is a huge problem right now as we don't have access to that parking lot. Um, and so as we think about more people coming into this building on a Sunday, it's, it's wonderful to dream about a second gathering at some point again. That feels a little bit ways off. I don't know that it would work on a Sunday morning. It might need to be at a different time in the evening. I don't know. But even as we gather here, as we celebrate together, as we serve one another in our gathering, and as we open up our lower level, where kids of all ages actually come and experience these very things formed by God's word, empowered by the spirit, and being sent by Jesus, get a vision of who God is and what he wants to do in and through their lives. When we gather here on Sunday, it's immensely important. Thank you for all of those that you play a role and help serve in some way and contribute in some way. I wanna do one more thing and I have um, way blown past my time. Um, and so I'm gonna to try to do this really quick and then we'll follow up in the weeks to come. I do wanna talk about finances in our, in our church. And as we talk about where we've been, why we're here and where we're going, um, money is a part of that. Um, if you turn, if you flip a number of pages, I don't, uh, yeah, it's the last few pages. There's a whole spread on now and next. Um, we. Um, started an effort a year and a half ago, a little over a year and a half ago, uh, to raise additional funds to, to do some very needed upgrades uh, to our facility. We could talk about that a ton. I'm going to save that for another time. Um, I apologize. We'll maybe hit that next week or the week after. Um, but just where we're, our, our budget is, if you turn the page, um, there's just a giving and budget. Um, the financial resources that we function with as a church come from everyone within this room and those that are watching online. We're not sourced by somebody else or anything like that. That's how God's designed the church. And so our giving collectively goes to the ministry that God's called us to. 
We, the last couple years, have functioned on a budget, just so you have some hard numbers in mind, of 1.1. We are lowering that budget this year uh, to be in line with where our giving is currently, and that's $850,000. That's significantly less. That's, I think, 250, if I can do math right. That's a lot of money in reduction. A couple years ago, that's where our giving was, and we stayed in line with that. And this year, we finally made the adjustment as we go into next year. That's not where our giving is. That's a reduction of about $20,000 a month that we have to spend. I want to tell you two things that that means for us right now, just so that we're all aware. Um, one of our pastors, Adam Harvey, uh, transitioned off of staff. He's still um, being as a part of our teaching team, his family's a part of this church, but he took uh, a, a role that God was calling him to uh, that allows him to serve kingdom work in Hillsboro through the Salvation Army. We are not rehiring that pastoral position at this time. Um, the other thing that's really significant is within our $850,000 budget, we have only around six months budgeted for our office space across the street. Um, our lease is up, I think, at the end of November, um, and so... Right now, the plan is that we would move out of that. That's a significant loss to just how we use this space and how we function throughout the week, um, team and volunteers and meetings and those kinds of things. But at this point, without cutting staff, that's the last thing that we can cut. Um, your staff team and Kim Harris in particular have done a masterful job of, of trimming things down to get to an $850,000 budget, which is where our board and I believe we need to be heading into this next year. If our giving grows, we will step into those things again, if, if however the office space stuff works out, but also uh, rehiring staff um, that I think is very needed for us into the future. I share that with you to say this. First of all, thank you for giving. Many of you give and you've actually increased your giving um, as, as Abby and I have over the last couple years. Uh, thank you, celebrate that. God's working through that in meaningful ways. If you are a part of this community or God's calling you to be a part of this community, we know, as scripture says, that where our treasure is, our heart is also. And so there is this awkward, fun, uncomfortable, stretching, but deeply spiritual experience of looking at our bank account and looking at our income and saying, God, this is all yours. I think it's all mine. My default is it's all mine, but I, I want to believe that it's all yours and trust that it's all from you. And so I'm going to trust you and join your work by giving to a local church and that your primary giving happens with your local church family. Um, so if you're not doing that, I would encourage you and ask you to prayerfully begin doing that in some way. I've shared openly with you before that um, God has taken us. Our journey as a family and as a couple has been we started at 10%. When we got married, we didn't make anything, and so that wasn't particularly hard, and we've increased it to 11 almost 12% now over, over the years. Um, I realize not everyone can do that, or that seems kind of crazy. Um, all I can tell you is that I've been a pastor my entire adult life, and um, I was going to say my boys have never gone hungry. That's not entirely true. They've, they got, they, they've been fed enough, I will say that. I, we've, we've been clothed. We've never dropped below one car. We've been provided for. We've trusted God with our finances, and he's provided for us. Um, more would also always have been nice, but... That's the journey that God's got us on, and we're grateful for it, and we can smile and celebrate it. So I want to tell you that God will provide for you, but this is part of it, is participating with his mission in a local church. So that's what we believe it means to be a, a part of us. We have done something over the last six months or so, which is a giving liturgy. Uh, and what it does is it frames us and gives us vision 
for finances within our church. And so how we do this is we stand and we recite it together. And so it's going to be up on the screen and it tells us true things from scripture. And I want us to read this together. If you're not here on a regular basis, um, we do this almost every week that we're together. Um, and so I would like to invite you to stand um, and we will pray and read this together. Uh, and then um, we're gonna go into a time of communion uh, and worship. Thank you for bearing with me. Um, we are gonna go a few minutes over. Um, if you feel led like uh, you need to be the first in line to pips, uh, no judgment, uh, you can run out, uh, but we are gonna take communion together, we're gonna sing together, and then we're gonna hear um, just some, some celebrations of those that we're praying for as they both graduate, uh, move off in the next season of their life. Um, so that's kind of what we're doing over the next few moments. Um, would you read this and pray this uh, together with me? Father, Son, and Spirit, I am and I have only what you have mercifully given me. Every spiritual and physical provision I have is from you, bought with the blood of Jesus. Like you, I choose to give sacrificially and to step into a generous life that costs me. Generosity is the way of those who call Jesus their Lord who bear his image, who love him with free hearts, and who serve him with renewed minds. I have been bought with a price, and I will not be ruled by the self-focused ways of this world. Give me determination to be trustworthy with such a little thing as money, that you may trust me with the true riches of you and your kingdom. Father, Son, and Spirit, I am determined to be generous because you are a generous God. Would we be a people that are compelled by the love of Jesus, that we have a sense and a vision that it is Jesus' love that holds us together, gives us identity and purpose, and calls us to be his representatives, his ambassadors in this world. The practice of communion invites us to, in a physical and tangible way to, to touch the good news, to taste the good news. It's a little cracker that represents Jesus' body broken on the cross, a little cup of juice that represents his bloodshed. And as we believe the good news of who Jesus is and what he's done, we're shaped, we're reminded, we're restored, we're given vision and hope and a future. And so today, as we continue to sing, there's tables on the sides and the wings. Would you make your way down there and get, grab a, a little cracker and a cup of juice? And as we celebrate communion together, as we continue to sing, 